Good evening, Tigercast fans. We are back live on Monday night after another good win against the Blues. Always nice to beat the arch enemy and bit of payback from uh, from round one. And it just sort of goes to show, like we said a few times last week, that we don't often lose to the same team twice under Dimmer. Uh, the, the guys tend to learn from, from what happened the previous times. And we righted that wrong um, and got the job done, which is which was awesome. So, Croc, welcome back, mate. How are you? Uh, always good to be back after a win, mate, especially against Carlton. You know, all the arrogance that was coming up with the blue supporters during the week. Nice to hear them a little bit quieter than they were this time last week, that's for sure. It's going to be interesting if they happen to keep slipping and maybe miss the eight, which would uh, be very amusing after after some of the banter early on. Um, EJ, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very well. Very well. Great to be back. And um, yes, uh, Twitter was... A fun place to be on the Friday and the Saturday with the Carlton supporters that did not take it very well. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine it's um, yeah, they're a different breed, they're a different breed. But uh, no, it's nice to get the bragging rights again. It's just funny they thought after round one that the hoodoo was just completely gone, and you know it was smooth sailing for them. But to be fair, their back line was pretty shot. Um, and they, although their midfield and forward line are still pretty uh, fully functioning, so I think our guys did extremely well. And a huge welcome to our very special guest, Ivan Marriage. Thank you, Ivan, for coming on. Much appreciated. How have you been? Yeah, I've been well, thank you. And thanks for inviting me um, on the show. It's, um, yeah. No, no problems at all. And a big shout out to uh, to Nick, who helped organise this. Um, yeah. I believe it's Nick's mum's Katrina. It's her birthday from John's Restaurant. And she's one of your biggest fans. So she sends a, a big hello to you. Oh, today, is it? Okay. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yep. So she um, yeah, she was very excited to hear to, to hear they're coming on. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll get cracking. But what we're going to do, we're going to do the review of the Carlton game first, and then we'll uh, we'll ask Ivan some questions about his time at the club, uh, and we'll see where we go from there. So Richmond defeated Carlton 11-15-81 to 9-12-66 by 15 points. Goal kickers, we had Lynch with three. Bolton with two, Rewalt with two, Bolter, Edwards, Pickett, and Rioli with one each. Uh, leading disposal get a Prestia, 33 disposals, four tackles, 13 clearances. Uh, Ivan, how much of a difference does having a fit Prestia make? Obviously, in round one, he went off pretty early, and Jack Graham was probably a little bit underdone from pre-season. We got smashed in the clearances that time around, but we managed to flip it this time around. I think Prestia outdid all three of their gun mitts. How much of a difference does he make with the job that you have to do and, and for the team in general? Yeah, he um, definitely makes the coaches look good, Dion. He's a <laughs> highly, highly talented player. And, um, you know, all Tiger fans would know that from seeing him over the last, what is it, maybe five years since he joined the club in 2017. Yeah, so, um, look, he's he's super smart and he's got heaps of talent and he works really hard. So it's a it's a fair package. Um, but, you know, he would be the first to admit that um, he can't probably show all of his strengths without the roles that, you know, everyone else plays around him and he, he plays his role really well. So um, we do really, really rely on each other at the Richmond Football Club. And what about Jack Graham? I think he had 41 pressure acts, which is just off the charts. Uh, 11 yeah. contested possessions, 10 tackles. Um, when he is fully fit and firing. He's a huge cog in that middle. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't stop running. Some of his runs are just unbelievable. And, um, yeah, it just goes to show you the season's a long one and if you're not quite prepared early, you'll um, 
you'll be sort of found out, which is um, what happened with Jack. But that wasn't because he doesn't work hard. It was just because of injuries and things like that. But, um, yeah, he's um, really an important part of the team. And, um, yeah, we value what he does on the field as well as off the field. Yeah, so he's um, a really special person. Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I think uh, all the Richmond supporters definitely know his true value, that's for sure. EJ, what did you make of the game? Um, well, when we were talking last week, I certainly wasn't uh, expecting that we would dominate in the middle of the ground so much. Um, as you know, I like pulling out my stats and uh, we're talking about Prestia a minute ago when he had 13 clearances and if you add up Kennedy, Cripps, Walsh and Hewitt, their midfield, they had 13 clearances. So we still had Nank with six, Koch with five, Graham with three. So, um, you know, to smash them at the contest was the really pleasing part of the game, was the unexpected part of the game. You know, we almost evened up contested ball as well, which was fantastic, but it certainly put us on the front foot. And um, I actually think, I know we won by 15 points. It felt more like a sort of a five or a six goal win. Um, with the dominance of uh, position, which come through really good metres gain stats. I mean, short 989 metres, almost a kilometre. Um, we, we really had ground position and in that conditions, getting that territory really important. I thought we did it really well. And, yeah, I wasn't worried even when they kicked a couple of goals. I thought we had the game in hand and it was touched. It was touched. Do you train spirit finger waving down there, Ivan? Just brought in knew what he was doing, just to wiggle the fingers. What a joke to try and put him under the bus for that. My God. <laughs> He's an honest person, Brody. Yes, he is. Very, very honest. Uh, and Grok, what did you make of the game, mate? You would have been pretty happy with it all. Yeah, I was pretty happy. As I said last week going into the game, the one thing that we needed to do was match them in the contest, especially in the midfield. Like, we know how strong they are with Cripps and, and Walsh and, and Kennedy. Obviously, Chera was a big out for them. But to not only match them, but to actually demolish them in that. Um, and part of that was was big nank. That, that, just that second and third effort in the midfield. And the, well, the weather wasn't great, which I, I'd probably say helped us make it into that, that scrap in the middle and then get the ball out. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fanta- fantastic game. For us, it was very much, a, as Dima likes to say, a Richmond game. It was just the contest, the pressure, just get the ball forwards. And we, I felt we played the conditions a lot better than Carlton did, especially in the first half. They just tried to be too cute with it, tried to rely too much on, on precise ball movement. When it's rainy and slippery, it, it's not going to happen. Um, the only downside for me was just not putting it on the scoreboard. 76 inside 50s. Um and only the eighty something points. Bit of a bit of a work to do there, but still four points is four points. And at this point of the season, you take the four points and you move on. Oh, it was a huge game. We've been cracked up another couple of spots with other results going our way as well, which was nice. Yeah. Oh. I think what what you're saying about we play the conditions better is backed up by if you look at the kick to handball ratio and then you're saying being too cute. You know, our kick to handball ratio, two thirty seven to one thirty five. They had 166 handballs and only 220 kicks. So the way they played was not right for the night. Is that something US coaches addressed during the week, Ivan, like sort of seeing what the weather was going to be like and sort of tailoring a playing style to suit? Um, yes and no. Like 
definitely when it's slippery and wet, you sort of um, adjust a few things. But also, you sort of like want to sort of play our style as much as we can. Um, you know, in the dying sort of minutes, we still tried to use our hands to um, work the ball up the field. Um, so, yeah, you sort of do. But when the pressure's high as well, you, um, yeah, you want to play the game there. So if it, the pressure's high, you sort of um, send it long to the forwards. But when there's opportunities, we want to use our hands and um, because we know we can really damage teams when we do that. So, um, yeah, the weather plays its part, but also um, we sort of pride ourselves on our skills and executing them under pressure, whether that's from the game, from the, the pressure from the game, from the crowd or from the weather, you know. So, yeah, it was um, it was good that the boys were able to, you know, like play our brand under pressure and um, and be really brave. Um, it was it was really good to watch. Um, so it is, take- and you're right. You see some players taking those forty five kicks inside and in the wet sometimes, and you're watching. It's a bit of a hard in mouth type moment. But if you pull them off and you're good enough to do it, it opens it right up. And it kind of feels like it's something we weren't maybe doing a lot of in the first month of the year we were kind of just getting going but now it looks like it's back into full the full swing of things yeah spot on and, and the game that probably stands out to me is the melbourne game like we've just played really really safe um so look the i know carlton beat us in round one and we beat them you know just the weekend gone but it's sort of we might come up against them again and it sort of means nothing like um this season is just full of these one-off games where you constantly making adjustments and we've just got to keep continually improving and I think that's been one of our strengths as a team and a footy club is like we always want to get a little bit better and refine what we do and um, yeah, and just try to execute it as best we can and um, I think that's a really good way to approach an AFL season. Yeah because you're always learning and, and that's something that you know the, the club showed over the last few years is that you can't just be stuck playing a certain way. You've got to adapt, evolve on the run. And especially when you look at 2020 being up at the in the Gabba, or in Brisbane, sorry, for that long, everyone had to adjust. And, you know, for you guys to pull through after that um, was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And I think we sort of found that out, especially after 2018 season where we sort of, yeah, we just sort of stuck with that one sort of formula. Whereas you look at probably the last or the, the premiership years, like the team changed, whether it was playing taller or playing smaller and um, in those sorts of things. So, and yeah, we constantly improve. So you just got to keep making the the adjustments and, and I suppose making the right adjustments, not just any adjustments. So um, yeah, we, hopefully we're doing that. Um, I feel like we are with a really good attitude and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next, you know, um, three or four weeks because it's going to be sort of the toughest part of the season in the cold and the wet. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it, though. The old big boy month, as Dimmer likes to call it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll get cracking into uh, some questions about your time at the Tigers. You, you made the move across to the club in 2012 from the Crows. What was it about Richmond that at the time most appealed to you? Because we probably weren't setting the house on fire in terms of performance, um, but you, you fit the mould of our club perfectly. Yeah, to be honest, I um, did notice a change when 
Damien Hardwick took over Richmond. There was a change there. Even though they weren't winning, there was they were playing with um, yeah, more heart, I suppose. And I sort of noticed that. Um, maybe, you know, a new coach helps, you know, bring that. Um, but I definitely noticed that. And then sort of meeting with Dinema at the end of the season, um, yeah, just sort of confirmed everything. They were obviously speaking to my manager throughout that year and um, showed a lot of interest. So that always helps when sort of a player's gone through a time where, you know, he's sort of not playing too much regularly. So, yeah, it was really good. And was it easier to sort of settle into a new club being a more experienced player than what it was maybe like for when you got drafted from the Crows? Like, did you have any established relationships already with any other players at the Tigers? The only other player I knew was Matty White. Um, actually, I had dinner with him the other a few weekends ago. Um, yeah, so not really. And it, I remember driving to the club for my first training session and and with a lot of doubt, like, have I made the right decision here? I was really nervous about it. But as soon as I got there, I tell you what, they made me feel um, like I could be myself. Um, you know, guys like Shane Edwards and Jack Rewalt, who are still there at the moment, and other guys, oh, Dylan Grimes, Basha Hooley, David Asprey, just to name a couple, they really made me feel like I could be myself. And... Me saying that could sound like really silly, but I think a lot of young men sort of struggle to um, probably do that because you feel like you have to fit a mould in, um, you know, an AFL team. But, um, yeah, I feel I hope that we keep doing that. I hope we've still got that sort of um, culture at the Richmond Footy Club that young 18-year-old kids that we draft or, or older guys that we trade in can really relax and be themselves and... Um, yeah, because I think it just goes a long way to um, building a strong uh, team connection. So that was how I felt. It was like um, it was a great feeling. It was um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, you were what widely credited as being one of the drivers of the improvement in the club culture. You're a bit of a poster boy in that yeah. respect. Can you speak to that? And also, um, so you you said that there was a nucleus of something starting to build already. You could feel that when you walked in? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, we were <sighs> – it's really hard to describe, I suppose, but it's a feeling and it takes it takes some um, time to build momentum with it, people to jump on board. Um, like I sort of touched on, the young guys – at the time, which are now the veterans, like Grimesy and and David Asprey's retired, but you know, you know, guys like him, um, Trent were there, and they really saw everything that we were doing and how we could improve. And um, when I say that they allowed the boys allowed me to be myself, I sort of like um, really wanted to be a hard trainer and seek continuous improvement, and um, they sort of made it a really safe environment to speak up so I could sort of um, mention things that need to get better um, at the time. And it, and it wasn't just me. It was a lot of other players. So um, we, it really requires um, a team effort. Um, if one guy's saying it and no one else believes it, it just goes nowhere. But it took everyone, the players, the coaches, the staff, um, and even 
not just footy stuff like coaches, I'm talking um, administration staff, CEOs and, um, you know, board members. So, yeah, it's um, that's why you've probably seen AFL, in the AFL world that teams go on these long premiership droughts because it just takes time to get all the um, enough good people together and moving in the right direction. And then when you got that, I think some uh, pretty special things can happen. So, yeah, yeah, I think the footage that stands out for a lot of people is, you know, yourself and Trent cleaning the rooms, cleaning the sheds, and that's the old all-black sort of sweep the shed philosophy. And that ties in, I think, what you were just saying then about how it was not just the players, it's every person in the organisation. And I suppose that goes away to showing that you value what everyone is doing and it's not someone else's job to clean up. It's everyone's job to do every part of building that culture. Yeah. And and what's really important is doing it when no one else is watching. And, um, you know, someone like Josh Caddy was like really, really good at um, keeping the standards of that high for a long period of time when he was at the club and, um, Camden McIntosh is doing a great job of that sort of stuff. Reese Conker's done a great job um, at the time when he was at Richmond. So, yeah, it's it's those sorts of things, and you sort of you get a little bit embarrassed when he gets caught on camera um, because we sort of that's not the reason why we did it. Um, yeah, but I hope I think it's I think it's a really important thing. It's not the only important thing. Um, but it's um, one of the key ingredients, yeah, humility. Yeah, and that's doing it when no one else is watching. I really like that. But we'll talk a little bit of football. So you run out for your first game as a Tiger in round one, 2012, uh, against Carlton in front of 78,000 people at the MCG. Um, How was that for you? Like, you know, we're we're a pretty big army. We we love it. How was it for you? Um. I tell you, I don't know if it's funny, but in the change rooms before the game, um, a guy called um, Yusuf Islam, used to be called Cat Stevens, was actually at the stadium and he wanted to meet Basha Hooli and Basha didn't really know who he was, but I personally love Cat Stevens' music. So, um, yeah, I... I was like, what is going on? Like my first game at the G, like like I said, massive crowd. And I got to um, meet um, Yusuf Islam, which was pretty cool. Um, So that was kind of, yeah, really special moment Um, playing that game. We lost, but, um, oh, gee, it felt good to play um, on the MCG in that crowd, in that game, you know. It was like a really special thing. So, um, if I could do it one more time, oh, I would love it. But my time's gone, which is fine. <laughs> it's fine, but yeah, it was good. Do you, do you remember who presented you your jumper for your first game? I do, I do. So Steve Morris also debuted, and it was his father. Um, oh. Yeah, so he, well, Richmond, great um, premiership player and um Best and fairest one. Did he win a premiership? Uh, Kevin, I believe he did. I'm pretty sure Kevin yeah. won one. Didn't he? Yeah, so yeah. that was pretty cool. And me and Steve sort of um, played against each other in the SNFL 
um, in previous years, so we sort of had a bit of a connection there. So, yeah, it was it was really nice. And I remember he got caught in the traffic before the game, so he jumped out of the car about um, 5Ks near the G and he had to run. And if anyone remembers, it was, about, um, it was, in, it was a hot day. It was a hot night that night. So, um, yeah, he was sweating it up, but it was a, it was a really nice <laughs> moment. <laughs> so your first win as a Tiger came in round three versus the Ds, and you also kicked your first goal for the club. What was that afternoon like for you in those two special moments? Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I, I think I was just um, focused on getting better. I mean, it was nice to get personally get a win and the goal and all that stuff. You just sort of get it out of the way, which was um, – but I, I was under sort of um, Neil Craig. I sort of learnt that the process was just so important and I was really focused on that and um, I was still personally sort of refining my own game. So I was sort of um, – I played on Mark Jamo, so it was a um, pretty tough game for me. Um, so I really wanted to get that better. But um, it was a nice summer's day. It was a day game, great crowd. Got the win, got the goal, which was good. And I think Reese Conco, who's a good mate of mine, I'm catching up with him for lunch actually tomorrow. Who um, I think he had a really good game too that day. So yeah, it was good. We unfortunately missed finals in your first year at the club, but on a personal level, you played 21 games, averaging 15 disposals and three tackles a game. You must be pretty proud of your season. In some ways, I'd say you probably helped pave the way for our current. Ruckman now with the way they play in, in Big Nank and, and Big Ivan as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, well, like the first thing I said is like I, f- I felt like I could be myself um, off the field and on the field and that's how I wanted to play the game. Um, and, and it probably takes a bit of time to get to get to know yourself and, and all those sorts of things. And But Richmond... And, and Damien Harbick definitely gave me the opportunity. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a – it was a good season, like in terms of that sort of stuff, gave me a lot of confidence and belief. Um, so that was good. But I sort of still probably look back on that season as like um, maybe a little bit selfish, yeah, whereas I've played other seasons – with less statistics, but I felt like I played a bit of team game. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's um, you, I suppose you do need to be a bit selfish. But look, it was a, it was a good season. All in all, I got earned some respect and trust with my teammates, my new teammates, which was yeah, really really nice. Yeah, so we'll go from a good season f- for you to a good season for the team. Obviously, twenty thirteen. Managed to finish fifth on the ladder and play finals for the first time in 12 years. But was there anything that changed that off-season given the, the past few seasons of, of just trying to be competitive and now we're actually at the pointy end of the season? Um, yeah, I think we were, we were pretty close to making it, I thought, in 2012. Like a, there was a little stretch of games where we lost by, you know, like under 10 points and... Yeah, I think the, the boys looked back on that and like, we missed an opportunity there. Um, even the way we finished off the <clears throat> a draw against Port Adelaide in the last game of the season was like a really pretty shitty feeling personally. Um, 
But, yeah, we gained a lot of belief and, yeah, and then getting some good wins along the way. I mean, um, did we beat Carlton in that year in round one? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, like those sorts of things, like building some belief and, um, yeah, within the team and what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve um, really helped. So, it just, like I said before, it takes time in the AFL and all the guys that, was, that are still playing now, all our leaders are, were young kids sort of back then. So, um, yeah, but we're really getting a stronger team environment, which is good. Do those little mental demons come up in talking conversational? Like we obviously hadn't beaten Carlton for quite some stretch. I mean, Geelong we hadn't beaten in quite a while. Does that ever play on the mind of players or is that purely just an outside thing that, is perpetuated just by fans and media. Yeah, look, there's, there's um, all these things like that. We, we, we call them stories, right? Um, but you can reframe those stories and, and turn them into a challenge the way you're just use, using your own language. So, you know, things like that we use as a challenge. Um, you know, they haven't, we haven't beaten them for this long, and um, but we can, you know, using really positive um language like that, like instead of sort of fearing it and having doubt. Um, yeah, so that's been a really um, strong growth area for the club and the team, you know, um, which takes time to get better at and it, and it comes with experience. So, yeah, it's look, we're all humans, right? I think, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's normal to feel that pressure or, the, or a little bit of doubt when things like that um, you haven't been a team for five years or whatever. So, yeah, but the key is just to reframe it, I think. Your mind's the most powerful weapon you've got. It's a very good message to send out to any youngsters playing footy at the moment. The elimination final versus Carlton, it still haunts a lot of our supporters and probably you players as well to this day. Um, what, what were your memories of, of that game? Yeah, look, it was super emotional. It was such an emotional game. Richmond had played finals for a long period of time. The support was unbelievable. The noise of the game. And look, I think that if we hadn't, if we won that, maybe we wouldn't have won three in a row, or three premierships, you know. Um, it was, it was that, those losses, um, you know, those three final series losses, I feel like it really forced us to grow in another way. And I think that way was making our team unity and strength and the chemistry, whatever you want to call it, the culture, um, and take it to a level that um, not many other sports have seen. And I think you need to do that um, to win multiple premierships in this, in this competition. So I really look back on, Part of me is like flat that we lost those games, um, but I think it was so important to um, becoming the team that, that that the Tigers are today. So um, yeah, it's a bit flattening, but it was also pretty special. Well, the there, there was an uplifting moment in that game, and I'm going to play it for you now. One <laughs> is Henderson. Ball runs free. Marriage. It's now or never for the Tigers. Marriage pulls it back. Out of the bounce. Oh, Manson just cleared the line. And look at him go. Like a Cossack warrior who's celebrating. Bigger barn. Uh, 
that is one of the more iconic moments from that game. Um, yeah, well, that was one of the most iconic moments from that game. and The crowd just absolutely erupted. On the ground, can you hear that kind of noise after that kind of moment? And what was going through your mind through through that bit of play? Because you're turning, your body did well, turned inside and just took off and nailed the goal at a, a clutch moment. Yeah. I, when I reflect back on it, I, you're sort of not thinking, really. You're just playing. And, um, yeah, I just sort of don't know how I did that because I haven't really done that ever before um, <laughs> in my career. Um, but, look. It worked out and keep the goal. It just, yeah, um, showed a lot of emotion. Battled whether I was it too much at the time, but look, things happen and you learn from them. But, um, yeah, like I said. I think it was the spot on amount of emotion. Sorry? It was the spot on amount of emotion. Get on my back, boys. Let's go. Unfortunately, uh, Chris Judd got in the way of that, but uh, it was the right amount. Yeah, I well, appreciate the support there. Crowd that day was the second loudest I ever heard. I agree. That was, it's, unfortunately, I felt it was the loudest when Carlton hit the front. It was just deafening. Oh. And you said goosebumps. It was just unbelievable. Rivaled yeah. by, I think, probably Kane Lambert's running open goal Freely. against the Giants, given oh, there was 95,000 just us there. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. What was that sound like on the boundary line for that one? Well, I was actually, um, Dimmer had asked me to sort of start to sit in the box. So I was in the box and that sort of. Um, oh, robbed. Yeah, Jeez. muffled the sound of the crowd a bit, which is, I was pretty flat about because um, everyone <laughs> talks about it. And uh, yeah, but that was a special, that was a special final series. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you've got a pretty incredible soccer background as well, and that was on full display against the Sydney Swans. Uh, so we, we can't have you on and not play this goal. This was one of the all-time greats. Admittingly, it's got some Lionel Messi commentary uh, behind it, but at, at what stage during that bit of play did you know you were going to kick that like a penalty set piece just in the bottom right corner? Two goalkeepers with the Swan players laying on the line had no chance of stopping that. Oh, far out. My mates from school have been telling me to kick a soccer goal and in <laughs> my whole career. And, um, but again, do you know what? I, I, I didn't, I just did it. I didn't think. And I just, you know, it's it was so natural. <laughs> yeah. Well, I played soccer at um, lunchtime at school nearly every day. So, uh, yeah, practiced a fair bit there as a kid. And Nank and Soldo have had their own soccer goals in their time. Is this just a Ruckman exclusive club? Do you talk about these things? They come on, boys. You got to get up to my level. Where's your soccer goals? Because you see it all the time. I think I saw a bit of footage of uh, Soldo actually trying to header a ball out of a ruck contest because his arms were <laughs> as well. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, they um, Nank probably wouldn't like to admit it, but he's got some really good soccer skills and he scored probably better soccer goals than me and so is big um, Soldo as well. Um, you know what? Um, Dimmer probably yells at me a little bit about them, but um, look, you just got to let the kids play sometimes and 95% of what they do is to the, for the team. And um, yeah, I think Noel Bolter soccered one out of the, um, out of the ruck on Thursday night. And ended up going, kicking it to pass it to someone, and yeah, it worked out. So you just got to let the kids play. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. Jack, Jack's another one that's pretty good at those 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 soccer kicks. Yeah. Like Jack, Jack's a freak at them. Before we move, yeah. before we move on to sort of the off field stuff, 2016. Let, let's talk about that. Uh, sorry, 2015. Um, the that ride, the last nine, I believe, were, were the only team still to make finals from three and ten. That nine in a row. That Sydney game at the SCG. Could you run us through that game? What was that like going in, and what was the emotions like after that game, knowing that you guys had fought and actually made it to finals? Yeah, I, I've sort of spoken a little bit earlier about emotion, and um, we really worked hard on sort of not riding the emotions of winnings and losses. Um, and during that period, I thought we were really, really calm, and we just were focused on getting better. Um, we're never out of it. Let's just try and get better um, each week. And leading into the game, there was a bit of calmness, but also as the game got closer to starting, there was a bit of um, nervousness, I suppose, and um, which was only natural. But we had some – Koch was captain, but Nui got us all together and got us actually really f- um, fired up and focused on starting well and – and taking it to them just before the game, just before it ran out, which is pretty special. And then, yeah, we just started sort of well, I think, and um, it was a, a massive battle. But in, in that game, you saw guys like Alex Rance really come to life. Like he really showed how good he could be under huge pressure and playing on good players. And um, I think it also helped that um, Buddy Franklin sort of pulled out because it was sort of <laughs> some an amazing form back then, but um, yeah, look, I think we when you look back at that season, it's quite special, and because um, I think we were equal last at one point uh, with GWS, and just sticking to the sticking to the game plan, sticking to the team, and always coming back to it, I think that helped so much, and um, they're the sort of foundations that were probably laid that helped us, um, or part of the reason, you know the team became successful. Absolutely. Did you did you always see yourself becoming involved in coaching? When I was younger, I didn't. Uh, and then as I got older and um, yeah, I was really into the team and um, wanted to help the team become stronger, yeah, I thought about it a lot more and did a few little courses here and there and... Um, yeah, so as I got older, I got into it more and became more confident that I wanted to do it. Yeah. How, how has the transition gone from player to coach? And now that you are behind the scenes, have you got any newfound appreciation for, for your coaches? Yes. Okay, so it's been really, really tough. Um, a big part of your life is gone and the lot, that part is the thrill to compete and the com- to compete against the, the best. So you, you, I found like I had to replace that with um, other things. So, you know, play a bit of social basketball and social soccer. And I was doing – at one stage I was playing um, basketball twice a week. I was playing indoor soccer and I was playing outdoor soccer. And it was just – it was pretty ridiculous. But I sort of needed to go through that a bit and now I've just tapered it down. But – I think a lot of players um, go through that. I think nearly all do, and um, 
and that's why you sort of hear about players doing other things, um, whether it's sort of gambling on, you know, or drugs or something like that. Yeah, it's a, the transition's really, really hard. And all my old teammates have said the same thing. It takes about three years to um, sort of get over it. Um, the coaching part, definitely I have a huge amount of appreciation for the coaches I've had and because um, now I'm sitting on the other side. I'm, I'm now the coach and I'm trying to help the players. And, um, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an art. Coaching is an art and um, there's no one way to do it and there's no easy way to do it or in a good way, right? You, you, you need to really be honest, have the same sort of attitude as you would as a player or I did as a player, which is honest and critique yourself and, and try and get better at it because the language you use is really powerful in a positive way and a negative way. So, um, yeah, I've, I'm really trying to work hard on that and do that as best I can. So, but look, I'm really lucky that Richmond kept me on in a position at the club. And, um, you know, I think it's six years playing and five years as a coach slash player wellbeing coordinator. So I feel really, really privileged to be a part of the Richmond Football Club. It's a great club. Yeah, awesome. So obviously you were instrumental in the club drafting Big Ivan Soldo. How confident were you then that he'd make it? And has there been anything that you've been surprised about with his career so far? Um, I, I saw him as... Uh, a tall guy, athletic, and extremely hardworking, like extremely high self-discipline. And those qualities are like really, really important to become uh, a ruckman, I, th I believe, in the AFL. Um, he's really worked hard on the skills of the game and the knowledge and all those sorts of things. They're the things he had to learn. But I think being naturally, naturally really, really strong for his age uh, him and Toby were, you know, playing at a young age against some really big, experienced ruckmen. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really – what he's really impressed me is with his resilience and um, his ability to learn and get better. And um, because it's not an easy journey, it, 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 moving from another sport and constantly getting told, need to do this better, need to do that better um, – because you're learning the game, learning the craft. So that that part has really, really impressed me with him. Um, yeah. So all the things that you, you don't get to see, the, the fans unfortunately don't get to see. And, um, yeah, but he's a, he's a really good kid. Yeah. And it must have been a special moment for you and the family to be able to present him his debut jumper in the first game. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was... Um, it was it was really good um, because I suppose that was what year was that two thousand and seventeen right seventeen I think yeah yeah my last year yeah I, I hadn't had a chance to probably say some really nice things to him which is probably my fault but um, it gave me this opportunity to say some really nice things from the heart. And, um, you know, his mum was there and, or my auntie and uncle, and um, 
even my family were there and it was it was just really nice and his host family who have been really really um good to him and important for him um moving down from canberra so yeah it was a really special time because the other thing is like i only played it you know um 80 games i think for richmond you know i'm not like a star like um you know matthew richardson or you know kevin bartlett you know those guys are actual superstars of the club and and the competition and they present they usually present the jumpers um to the debutants so um yeah to be asked I you know it was it was really special and i thought i'd never do it again to be honest so i wanted to make it good and yeah put some passion into it i mean legends are great but everyone everyone loves you know the cult figures that at football clubs like it's just a yeah, soft... you sell yourself short yeah absolutely <laughs> like there's yeah he's i know quite a few people who would say you were their favorite when you were okay. playing yeah so <laughs> don't say shelf short on that one but just in a little bit of a light-hearted manner, there's a, there's been a rumour going around for a few years now that you played a little bit of recruiter for Noel Bolter, having seen seen him at St Albans, and you burst into Maddie Clark's office and said, "We need to we need to draft this bloke." Any truth to that story? Yeah, there there's a bit of truth. It was quite funny. Um, so I went in. Must have been preseason. You know, a couple of years before the. He was drafted, and I go, "Have you heard of this guy called Noah Balter?" And they said, "Nah, haven't." Because I, I heard about him in the community and heard he was sort of a pretty um, athletic, you know, player. And I saw, I know his parents and extended family quite well. But um, anyway, they did, said nothing. And then I come back in again, and they, oh, I must have been walking past the office, and they said, "Hey, stop, Ivan. Noah Balter, we've seen him play, and." Um, Anyway, they he was sort of like this guy that, um, but in that two years where people would see like some unbelievable things on the field, but no one could really get in contact with him. Um, he didn't have a manager at the time, and um, at, the way that game works is all the recruiters talk to the managers and they sort of know who's picking who and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and he wasn't answering anyone's calls. So, leading up to the draft, I um. Yeah, it was obviously speaking to Noah and, um, yeah, gave our recruiters some uh, just some advice on what he's heard and, um, yeah, that um, we used, yeah, it went all right. So we ended up at Richmond and, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was good. Worked out well. He's a great guy, great player. Absolutely. Hopefully we see a bit more of him. Absolutely. You're one from one with your recruiting. That's a that's a solid track record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell if your hamstring's not that bad. Please let it be only a, a short-term injury. I think the club report alluded to it being a short-term injury. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a short-term thing, but um, we're just going to make sure that when he comes back, you know, he stays back because um, you know he's he's an important player. Um, Absolutely. But, that's not a bad segue. So from in the coaching side of it, the player sort of growth and development sort of perspective part of it, Noah is an example of someone that has played multiple roles. How much of an effect does it have on their development if they're switching versus if they're playing that one slot? Yeah. 
Great question. Um, the answer is like they sort of need both. They both, you know, I, I sort of feel like young players need stability, but then you also need to be able to play other positions because sort of the way Dimmer has set the team up and the game plan and everything, it's sort of um, really role-based. And, you know, you'll see, um, you would have seen over the last few weeks where Liam Baker's in the back line then he's in the forward line because um, the way the games go, they're just these one-off games and teams have made adjustments and then we might be getting um, beaten in one area. So you've got to move a player that's got the right skill set that can improve a certain part of the the ground or the game for us. So um, you need to be able to, yeah, flick from positions. Shane Edwards has been the master of it for us for such a long time. So I've touched on it again. The mental part of the game is like really, really important because some players feel like when they get moved that they're playing bad, but we actually need their strengths um, to impact the game and um, in that area of the field with it's, put someone back, you know, like Baker, who just, you guys have seen him play. He's a special player and he wins the ball and he does things that not many other players can do. And, um, yeah, so it's really hard. You need a, you need stability, but then also you need um, to be able to be moved around. Um, so hopefully that answers that question. Yeah. I think we actually said, EJ, in one of the earlier shows, we actually spoke about, how good Bolter's sort of mental capacity must be to be able to switch his mentality from being a forward to do to a defender in a key role mid game. Like it, it's phenomenal. But where would you rather see him play, Ivan, up forward or back? What's your preference? Yeah, personally, I think that he's really good behind the ball. So I like him as a back. I feel like he's played a lot of basketball and the guys that. Um, tall basketballers coming to footy, they're, they're usually better behind the ball. Um, so, and that's where he's played his best football, in my opinion. But I mean, he can do some special things wherever you put him. Now it becomes easier with, with Joshy Gibkiss showing he can go forward as well. It means we, we don't have to pull that, that, that pin of, hey, bolter up forward immediately. We've got other options now, which is nice to see as well. Yeah, it's um, wow. Yeah, we've got some good young kids and they're tall. Um, and and Josh gives you something different. Like he's super fit and he's so um, he runs all day sort of thing, whereas Noah's probably really contested and, um, you know, can jump and crash packs and that sort of thing. And Josh can still do that. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's a elite running power and, and speed and um, watching defenders try to defend him when he goes forward, it's like it's um, – Quite funny to watch actually so a couple of um the next generation as far as the big stocks coming through um samson ryan and mate kalina yeah. uh, what what are we working on to get them ready so that they are able to play i mean i i watched uh, the live stream of the vfl last week and uh, mate's first game and 10 seconds in he's clunking a contested mark which is great yeah. um how like obviously with his again basketball background, yep. he hasn't had as much time in the system. Mm. Is that a medium term project sort of a thing? Yeah, he's going to have to work really hard on um, you know the aerial part of the game and his ruck ruck craft. 
just not you know it was his second game of footy on the weekend against Coburg. He did some really good things, like crashed some big packs, but um, yeah, he's just got to work on finishing that last bit off, which is which is marking them. And um, yeah, he'll he'll get there because he's a good he's a really good kid and he wants to get better. And um, they've got great leaders to look up to with um, Toby and 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 Soldo. So they they train super hard. Those two guys, and they've they hold a really high standard of training, and it's great for our young guys coming through to see that. Um, so, yeah, but look, Samson as well. Like Samson's a really, really good kid, and I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, the challenge you have with these now that we've got our own teams is like we had three ruckmen on the weekend, and there's not enough time in the game to give them all the the ruck time they deserve. Um, you know, if we could loan loan a ruckman out so he could play every week and get some experience, I, I'd be I'd fully support that. I think it's a really good thing for for young rucks to do. Um, so, so, yeah, you've talked about the mentality quite a lot, yeah. and we've got a pretty stable side, and we've got a lot of good quality people playing in the seconds. How do you emotionally satisfy? How do how do we keep everyone motivated and challenged and happy and ready? Um, not, not for them, not knowing sometimes when they're going to get their chance. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome question, right? And it is something that you need to manage every week because when you're sort of in a position where you're, you know, maybe on the fringe and you're playing a lot of VFL, the emotion of the week is is like a roller coaster, you know, you come off the game and you probably played well and then you get your feedback and then you're waiting for Thursday to come and then you get left out again and your hopes go up and then they you deflated. And then between <clears throat> Thursday night and your next game, you've, you've got to pick yourself up to perform again, um, to give yourself a best chance, but also put the disappointment aside and play team footy. Um, so it's really, really hard. And these guys that we've got that are doing it at the moment, at the moment, um, you know, Jake Arts, for example, like he's just like 100% team committed. Um, whereas, you know, I've seen in the past where guys in his position have just focused on themselves and not handled, for example, to their teammates or, you know, had shots from, really poor positions instead of passing it off. And anyone that saw the game against Coburg, he was like leading the way with passing off goals and um, that sort of thing. So you've got to highlight that stuff um, because it, it is, that is really um, high character stuff there. And that that's what makes Richmond great. And there's been players before him that have shown him the way, how to do that. And he's seen it and that's why he's doing it. Um, so if we've, we highlight that as much as we can. We talk about it um, like men. We talk about our feelings and, and the guys are really good at that. And they, then they go away and, and work on themselves like, and prepare for those stories to come up and um, while they're playing or leading into a game and, and they know how to manage them and stay focused on what they need to do. So, yeah, it's really it's, – it's a challenge. It's – um, and it's um, really hard when you're um, doing that, I suppose. 
It's um, I've been there. Do you know what? I've been there a lot of my career doing that. So I know exactly what it's like. It's um, but it also makes you a better player. Uh, well, um, in your time at the club, besides Dimmer, is there one person that has had more of an impact on you than anyone else? And 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 if so, how did they do it? Oh, some of the good questions. I've never been asked them before. Um, how, how can I put it down to one person? Um, look at it. Uh, I'd always say first it would probably be Bashahooli um, because it was just the conversations we'd have um, away from training and about life. And he helped me become really clear on the man I wanted to be. Um, but there's been some other special people that I've really watched and admired, like Trent's been amazing um, and Brendan Gale. Um Really, really special, um, really, really special men. Um, but, you know, there's, there's just so many good people at the club, like I sort of spoke about earlier, which is um, why well, it's such a great place. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like it's just been a, such a special period of time um, to be around the club. So I'll probably change things up and make something a little bit lighthearted now. It's hard to think of you. I mean, it's it's actually it, it's hard to see now with no mullet. <laughs> Your mullet <laughs> was comments, part yeah. of the whole mystique. It was like um, with the competition, it's now chock full of mullets. And let's be honest, some of them are pretty ordinary. <laughs> How and why? What is your advice to these young upstarts? That and please, my son will be listening to this, and he needs all the help he can get. <laughs> <laughs> what is the secret to a great mullet? And why did you do it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I was just sitting around in the change room with a couple of um, my Adelaide teammates and we just sort of said it and let's do it. And Taylor Walker was one of them. And we were the only two that sort of stuck at it. Um, yeah, which is pretty funny. But um, <laughs> I think I think the key to a really good mullet is the sides and you've got to make sure it blends in to the top really well. I've, I've probably seen a few mullets where it's like it's not blended in and it looks pretty ratty. Um, that's my opinion anyway. Have you had to chat to Hugo about his efforts? <laughs> yeah, we've had, a, we've had a few laughs about it. Um, <laughs> as he's getting a bit more attention about it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, loved, he loves it. I, I love that he loves it and um, I love that he can, a young kid like that can just be themselves and you know, no one, no one hangs shit on them, you know, for their haircuts and, um, yeah, which is, yeah, which happens at clubs, so. It's good. Know, but... Like, we, had, we actually had Matty White on a couple of weeks ago talking about his tattoos and how everyone kind of embraced uh, some of the, the, the ordinary things. And I think, well, Castagna's yeah. got some ordinary ones as well that were hand done by himself. So it's good that everyone feels okay enough to express themselves in whatever yeah. way they see fit and everyone has a laugh and gets on with it. It's, just, it's yep. just a shame that they don't have, like some of the players don't have a commitment to go the full mullet. I mean, we've seen Liam Baker sort of gone half-hearted. Daniel Rioli yeah. at times has tried tried the little mullet, but none of them have sort of had the had the fortitude <laughs> to go all the way. So it's <laughs> nice to see Hugo. Yeah. But commit. Commit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
I know this is probably a, uh, a question um, that there's probably one answer to, but who do you think has the best mullet in the AFL right now? If you had to pick one. Yeah. I got asked this um, a while ago or before. I don't watch enough AFL football, so I don't see more. But I remember there was a guy maybe last year playing for West Coast. Uh, is it oh. Duggan? Yeah, Liam Duggan had a good one. Yes. Yeah, Duggan, I think he's yeah. Yeah, like just nice, smooth, neat, and um, yeah, you clearly it's know sick. it's a mullet. Yeah, not not a fan of Bailey Smith's one. It look, it, I, I hate to use the word, but it looks dirty. Like it just looks like a <laughs> a typical Footscray person mullet. Like, yeah, yeah it doesn't. It's not. It's not a classy one. It's not a mullet. Yeah, through it or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was that was awesome. Thanks for that. We'll uh, we'll jump into some chat about the upcoming game against the Cats. It's an absolute monster game. So it's fourth versus sixth. Been a huge game in the context of our season, um, the old traditional eight-point game, as they like to say. So winning essentially keeps us in contention to top four, much to uh, EJ, your prediction from last week where you said if we beat Carlton and beat Geelong, then top four is well and truly alive. Um, get it, and oh, it'll, it'll happen. Drop if we beat Geelong, it'll happen. I'm telling you. Well, yeah, it'll create some good separation because it's quite close from pretty much fourth all the way through to 11th or 12th. So it's a, the it's a big game. Weekend. The games on the weekend fell our way. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole round itself is massive, isn't it? The whole top eight play each other. Like, I don't think that's happened for quite some time, so it's going to be fascinating viewing. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the ins and outs first. Obviously, Bolter is going to be out and Cochin is going to be out short term. Uh, Tarrant, we think, will hopefully play. Uh, Ivan, hopefully he gets over the line because we'll, we'll need another a big man down there to, to take on Hawkins and Cameron. Yeah, he's sort of quite confident to play, which is really, really good because he's played some really good footy for us and we're, we're really needing. But um, you know, in saying that, like um, Ben Ben Funky Miller's like sort of been playing really solid footy in the VFL. We for like us, him. So. We think he's got yeah. a lot to offer. Yep, I agree. Great size, elite skills and decision-making for his size. Um, he's actually got good looks like he has leadership too. as well. Great speed. Yeah, so, yeah, look, we'll see what happens there. Um, definitely need someone big, um, you know, playing on Hawkins because he's a, he's an unbelievable forward. Um, so We obviously got uh, Dusty will make his way back in after being crook, so that's uh, a very handy addition into the team. It's always nice when you can see a D Martin as an inclusion. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose the, the extra question is, do we look at someone bringing... Uh, Rioli Jr. Uh, Ross may probably come in. Grock, do you think, to replace Cochin as well to play that inside role, which he's done so well in the VFL the last couple of weeks? Uh, and Cumberland's probably the other one that might be in consideration with his sort of forward craft and, and obviously Arts as well, kicked four goals himself and dished off a, a bit, as you said. So there's going to be a, a bit of a selection headache there. Yeah, which is really, really good and really, it's a really healthy thing for the coaches to deal with, I suppose. Um, so we'll see what happens. Like I, I really like what Noah Cumberland can bring. It's something uh, really unique skill set. Um, he's powerful, fast, and knows where the goals are, which I think you need. Morris has played as a sub and had an impact, and then went and played VFL and had a really good impact. And the other guys you mentioned, Rossi was like a super professional game. We haven't had a, too many performances like that from um, young midfielders in, over the last couple of years. Uh, so it was great to see Rossi do that. Um, yeah, so and oh, and Artsy as well. Like, Artsy will just give you everything, you know, a true tradie. Um, 
sort of performance. He'll work his ass off. He'll compete so hard and tackle hard, and then he'll he can hit the scoreboard as well. So um, we'll see. I'm not sure which way we're going to go because uh, we've got some yeah, like Noah Bolter to replace. Um, but yeah, I suppose maybe Dusty comes in for him. Yeah, we'll slot yeah. him in somewhere. We'll slot yeah. him in. <laughs> find room for him. Yeah, uh, AJ, where is this game going to be won and lost for us? You're the man with the stats. Uh, I really... I was being less worried about the stats this week and more worried about the matchup on the two key forwards. I think if we can negate... Uh, like Hawkins, I'll be honest, five years ago, I was probably pretty scathing and pretty uh, pretty harsh on him. I know he had a couple of years with the back, but um, his late career form has been unbelievable. To be the size and the age he is and to be doing what he does is, you know, it's a phenomenal effort and all credit to him. Um, and the mobility of Cameron. I believe we've got two to three players that can cover him and rotate and what works, what doesn't. You know, we've got Broad, Grimes, Gibkiss. They can all possibly sort of do that job. But I think if we can negate their key forwards, uh, we can win the game. Because I believe that uh, our our midfield with Prestia playing, with Dusty back, even without Koch, will be okay. As long as Lambert, his hip stays together. Um, I, I really think if we get on top of their two key forwards, we, we win the game. Brody just loves the uh, left-handed smashing of the ball, uh, jumping. He should just take the mark and get, win a car or something. He's He'd come close, I reckon. Yeah, he's, he's worked so hard on his game. Um, yeah, it's really good to watch. He's really playing with some re- a really wise head on his shoulders. We'd love him to mark some, but sometimes he's just got to spoil them. And I think he's... It's the team-first mentality, though, isn't it? He's, he's doing the right thing for the team, yep. so... Exactly. Yeah. And Grok, what's your keys to victory for us on the weekend? I think it's going to be similar to, to the Carlton game. Um, Geelong are a very um, offensive midfield, much like Carlton. That they, they smash the contest hard. They run forward. Um, Dangerfield's likely back for them this week. Um, they've got Max Holmes, who's a speed demon, who can run the flanks. So, Again, it's going to be another one where we, we do need to try and at least halve the contest, if not win. Um, that's going to go a long way. Um, obviously, last year, Cameron Hawkins and that that damn redhead, Gary Rowan, got, got a hold of us. So I think we do need to be a little bit more accountable. Um, so I, I do think Rowan is another likely in, but I'm not too worried about Rowan at this stage. It's, it's the other two, especially... With Noah out um, and Tarrant, if he does play with, you know, with that with that injured hand, so I think that's going that is really going to be a massive massive struggle. But again, we generally our, our backline don't rely on one defender; it's a team first defensive mentality. Peel off and and impact if you can help out. So so it's not that much that I'm worried about. It's more our forward transition. Again, seventy six inside fifties for for 80-something points is not great. When, you, when you're coming up against Geelong, who have got De Koning and they've got Stewart, they've got Collar Jasney, who are all amazing interceptors, especially De Koning for a young bloke who's in his third third year on an AFL list to be the number one ranked um, 
defensive intercept marker in the league behind Sicily is just insane. We can't do what we did against Carlton to bomb it long and high. I mean, it's just, it's not going to work out. So I do think we do need to lower our eyes a little bit. And I think that's going to be something that David Teague is definitely going to be talking to his forwards leading up and Andrew McWalter with his mids, you know, lower the eyes, hit the, hit the, tar- hit the free target. Um, maintain possession probably around the arc until an option presents is probably another way to go a bit about it because we do know Geelong really do like to play a possession-based game plan, chip mark, chip mark, and then go when they can. So if we can deny them the ball, um, yeah, definitely um, that'll go a long way. We just need to deny, deny Geelong the ball and execute what we can. And hopefully that damn meowing is not a sign of things to come <laughs> this weekend. <sighs> Back to back weeks, Scott. You're on fire. Yeah. The chat's calling you out. The corner. I put her out before, but there must be another <laughs> window somewhere. Uh, Ivan, the other defender. I know we mentioned it's uh, with Gary Rowan and Steng was actually playing quite well too for Geelong. But Dan Rioli, my God, what a year he's had in defence and how he's reinvented himself as a club. You must be absolutely stoked with what he's done to his game. And is he likely to get one of those jobs on Rowan or Stengel to to help curtail them? Yeah, he might play on his old mate, um, Tyson. Um, it's great to see him back playing AFL because I think he's a, a great little player and um, we miss him. Um, yeah, Daniel's been awesome. I, I, when you think about it, a lot of his good footy and best footy as a forward was when he came up the ground and ran the other way back towards goal. And um, So that's sort of, sort of what he's doing as a back. He's back behind the ball and he's running and carrying the ball and he just looks so fast and his skills are great. So it's um, really, really happy for him. And what about the, uh, I suppose, their defenders matching up on our forwards? Obviously, Rewald and Lynch are probably going to get De Koning and uh, Blitzars, um, a combination of the two. Is there a preference? Do you try and isolate a certain matchup or do you just accept they're going to rotate with, I suppose, Blitzars probably doing some ruck work as well when Stanley's off? Mm. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty special player that he can do that. So fit. Um, the other one's Stuart. You know, like he just gets free and um, he's so good at in the air. He's sort of like our version of um, Vlosten. So um, yeah, we got to um, we'll try to isolate when we can and and that sort of thing. But it's it's really really hard. These you know everyone's playing a team defense. So yeah, like you said, we probably don't want to bomb it. Um, that much this week and um yeah i thought we there's a few opportunities where we could have used the shorts um yeah so it's just getting the balance right and that's what we're trying to do trying to get that better each each week and i'm sure we'll nail it this week all right we'll get uh, some predictions for the game and we'll uh, we'll, we'll let you guys think you've got a basketball game coming up don't you tonight yeah I do. i've got to get the key all right so uh ej what's your prediction including margin uh, I think we will get over the line in a tight one, um, seven points. Grok? Uh, Richmond by 21. Hopefully we win. I don't want to live down here with, yeah, with the gentleman. <laughs> oh, horrid. They're horrid at the worst of times. Uh, Ivan, what? I, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well. By, by, how, by how much? What are we going to be by? <laughs> by how much, that's right. Um, yeah. I think we can win by... Yeah, 20 points. 
Yeah, I'll say about 17 to 20, but it really, all we need is the four points to consolidate our spot in, inside the eight uh, and potentially top four berth is on the horizon. So, Ivana, I can't thank you enough for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time. It's been sensational having you on to chat about all things Richmond. Uh, you're more than welcome back on any time. And Nick, thank you so much again, mate, for helping get the, getting this organised. I uh, really appreciate your work as well. So enjoy your basketball game. Hopefully uh, nail a few three-pointers, get a few blocks and uh, get another win there too. Yeah, that'd be good. No, I really appreciate um, yeah, just inviting me on for starters and then you don't really get to talk about it yourself very much so um i appreciate that you asked me you know so many great questions and um yeah thanks again no worries at all mate uh thanks everyone for tuning in much appreciated make sure you follow us on all our socials and we'll be back next monday night hopefully with another win under our belt against the cats and uh on we march so until next time go tigers go tigers go tigers yeah